You are now listening to an awesome sermon from the St. Louis Dream Center. Grab a pen and some paper. You're in for a treat. So there's a story about a man by the name of Hugh Lattimore. And he had the opportunity to preach in front of King Henry VIII. King Henry VIII was a very ruthless king. And so he has him come in and he preaches that Sunday morning. And King Henry VIII is offended by what he says. He was offended by the boldness with which he spoke the gospel. And he told the man, Henry, he told the man, Hugh, I want you to come back next Sunday and apologize for what you preach and preach something else. This is what Hugh says. And this is King James. So just, you know, follow me. Hugh Lattimore, dost thou know before whom thou art this day to speak? To the high and mighty monarch, the king's most excellent majesty, who can take away thy life if thou offendest him. Therefore, take heed that thou speakest not a word that would displease him. But then consider well, Hugh, does thou not know from whence thou hast comest, upon whose message you've been sent? Even by the great and mighty God who is all present and who beholdeth all thy ways and who is able to cast thy soul into hell. Therefore, take care that thou deliverest thy message faithfully. And then it says he preached the same message that he preached the Sunday before, but he preached it with more energy and more boldness. That's boldness. Unfettered by the king. Unafraid to articulate the gospel the way that God gave it to him. Unafraid to stand on what God said, even in the midst of the thought of losing his life. He came back even harder. What would you do if there was no opposition? What would you accomplish if you knew nothing could overcome you? What would you say to that person that God told you to say something to? Or how quickly would you say it if you knew God had your back? Because the challenge that we face is we say we believe, but we really don't believe. We say we believe. Lord, with you I live. And with you, I die until death comes. I was just playing, Lord. Because the question that we have to ask ourselves is not the question of how much we worship God, how much we read his word. The question is, when he tells you to do something, Will you do it? Because I can worship. And you know what? The worship part is easy. And I know you may say, well, sometimes, Pastor Tony, it is a sacrifice to worship God when I'm walking through. I get that. And reading God's word can be easy because 
you wake up or you go to bed and you read it. But doing God's word, oh my God. That's a whole different ballgame. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, 28 and 1, the wicked flee when no one is pursuing them. But the righteous are bold as a lion. How many righteous people do we have in the place tonight? See, those of you that didn't raise your hand, it's because you don't know who you are. Because you didn't raise your hand because you're basing your righteousness on how well you act, on how great you perform. Man, when you get down that I am righteous, simply when I receive Jesus Christ, I may not be perfect, but I am righteous because of him. Now, how many people receive Jesus? Then how many of us are righteous in this place? Come on now. You are righteous because he says you're righteous, not because you've acted the part. If we're righteous because of our actions, we all hold our hands down. And it is that timidness, fearfulness that the devil is using to hold you in a headlock. It's crazy. I had to stir you up to get some of you to raise your hand. Because you don't understand who you are. When you understand who you are, you will recognize and understand that the devil is more afraid of you than you ever should be of him. The Bible tells us that there'll be a day when we see the enemy and they'll be like, that's the one? He's the one that sent nations in a tizzy and terrified this little bitty puny nothing of a that's what scared me from me doing my purpose says the righteous are bold as a lion the word bold in the Hebrew which this original text is written is batai its root word is high, H-I-E, which means refuge. But the word betai itself means to trust, to be confident in, to be sure. Boldness, security. I love this word. To be careless. To trust. Now, I love the synonyms of bold, and that was some of them. But I also love the antonyms of bold. And the antonyms of bold are fearful, timid, cowardly, and backwards. Backwards. The Bible says, no man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is worth the kingdom of God, is worthy of the kingdom of God. And here's Satan's goal. Not only to distract you, (laughs) as I look at the floor, Satan's goal is to shut you up. If I can shut you up, I got you right where I want you. Because you can't run at an enemy with your mouth closed. He said, I can get you to shut up. Or when you do open your mouth, you're agreeing with him. Yeah, I am a low life. Yeah, I'm an addict. Yeah, I'm a this and I'm a that. 
And if he can get you to shut up, and, and this, these are some of the ways that he tries to get you to shut up. He, he will get you to shut up because of your past mistakes. He'll try to get you to shut up because of your insecurities. He'll try to get you to shut up because those that love you are speaking things over you that aren't lining up with God's word. There's a song by Jakari Carr that, man, you got to listen to it. It says, he spoke over me. When I couldn't see it, feel it, or hear it, he spoke over me, meaning God spoke over me. When my family spoke against my dreams and family spoke against my desires, he spoke over me. See, we've got to learn that he is speaking over you and that his words over you are greater than anybody else's words about you. They're greater than mama's words, daddy's words, your third grade teacher's words, your ex-husband's words, your ex-wife's words. Your next door neighbor's words. And when you can understand that there is a boldness that rises up inside of you and there is something that takes place and you have an authority in your speech. You have an authority. Why? Because I know who I am. I am not just the son of Jimmy and Sharon Gilmore. I am not just the brother of Daryl and Dewan Gilmore. I am not just an African-American that grew up 10 minutes away from here in Walnut Park. I am not my mistakes. I am not even my successes because I don't want to get caught up in that. I am the son of God Almighty. The creator of the universe is my daddy. I am an heir to the kingdom of God. And my oldest brother, his name is Jesus. And when I understand who I am, it gives me a boldness. God, where do you want me to go? You want me to talk to who? Because what you don't know is you hold dynamite, dunamis power. And when God tells you to talk to somebody, you may be afraid that they'll reject you. He says they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. So when I go, and when he tells me to go, I'm not going in me. I'm going in him. And there is a boldness that rises up in me when I know who I am. See, that's why Satan uses sin against us. Because if I can get you to sin, I can get you to shut up. Because we all afraid of that word being held over our head. Hypocrite. None of, nobody in this room wants to be called a hypocrite. Matter of fact, we will run from God because we say, well, I don't want to fake it. I want to act like I'm something that I'm not. And the enemy will trick you in the running away from God because you're afraid. And it goes back to this one thought, and I'll hit more on this on Sunday, the fear of man. Do you realize that hypocrite is a word that men and women use to define you even though you're just in a struggle and you're going after God with all of your hearts? And we are afraid of what people Think about us. And it robs us of our boldness. Now, I'm going to tell you, you know, 
I'm not saying you go out there and, and, and sin and, and on purpose and then you're like, hey, I'm no, no. I'm, I'm talking about the person that's that's going after God with everything in them. And they just they, they haven't been able to get over that hump yet. That's what I'm the guy who is not perfect in his performance, but his heart is perfect. And this isn't how you're trying to live. That's what I'm talking about. But we're so afraid of what other people think that it robs us of being who we really are. I love this example of boldness, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Billy Goat. Have you heard the story? And the king has thrown this edict out that everybody must bow and worship me. And it gets back to him that these three young men are not doing it. And they go before the king and they're like, king's like, all right. I heard you haven't worshipped me. You, you need to bow down right now. And they look at the king. And the fire is now turned up seven times hotter. So it was hot before. But the king is so agitated. He said, I'm turning the heat up. That's what the enemy will try and do to some of us. He'll try and turn the heat up. And it's a smoke screen. It's not real. Because you're in, you're in the hands of the Almighty. But what he wants to do is he wants to put something in your physical eyes that makes it feel like the heat has been turned up seven times. But guess what? He doesn't control the heat like that. He controls, he controls the perception of what's going on, but he doesn't control your situation. And as he's stands, they're standing there, he's turned the heat up. He has men. I mean, men have died turning the heat up. And as... These young men stand in the face of the king. They say this powerful statement. They're like, listen, king, we're not bowing before you. And this is what we know. Talking to the king that's about to throw them into the fire seven times hotter. They say the God that we serve is able to deliver us. But guess what? Even if he doesn't. We will never bow down to you. See, that's boldness. Because I understand who I am and whose I am. If this, if this thing is meant to take me out, guess where I get to go? I get to sit right there with the Almighty. So I'm not afraid of what you may throw at me. Because I know who I am. You know the power of what they talked about? They know the covenant. They know what the covenant says. And see, we don't always know what the covenant says. The covenant, the word of God that that God wrote and had men write so that we can know who we are and what is in our power. And because they knew the covenant, they understood something that they would write later on in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. We don't know who the author is. Some theologians say it may have been Paul, but we don't know exactly who wrote it. But it says, so, you know, God has given us two unchanging things, his promise and his oath. He can't lie. He can't lie. I love, I heard uh, Kenneth Copeland say, if God were to lie just once. It would unravel all of creation because creation is built on God's word. So since God can't lie and he confirmed it by the promise and the oath, I have a confidence 
that he's coming through. But Pastor Tony, I've been waiting three months and I'm still unemployed. Listen, he's coming through, but I've been hurting it and nobody, he's coming through. But the doctor said, he's coming through, but my children are, he's coming through because he can't lie. My daughter, Gabby, and I, you probably heard me tell the story years ago. I told her I was coming to her um, talent show. And I thought it was at night, but found out the, the day before that it was during the day. And as I'm sitting there at work, I'm like, oh, wow. I told her I was coming. And so she's talking to her mom, and her mom's like, you know, sweetheart, your dad won't be able to make it because... You know, he's got to work. And she's like, Mom, but he said he was coming. And, and she said, he's coming. And her mom called me and she was like, I don't know what you said to your daughter. But she is not backing off of the fact that you're coming. She knows you're going to be there. And I know you can't be there because of your job and all of that. Because of her confidence and her boldness in me, this human, I went into my boss and said, I need to take some time of vacation so that I can go to my daughter's talent show. Because she's believing that I'm going to be there. She is bold enough to tell her mom, no, he's going to be there. The Bible says that if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more our father in heaven would he give good gifts to us? Because when we have that kind of boldness and that kind of confidence, he's like, I will move the Atlantic Ocean. I'll get the shift the equator. Brazil will be in North America. I'll move whatever I need to move to get to my kid because they believe in me. Boldness. And it is that boldness, that bold faith. My tears don't activate God. It's my faith that activates them. So I can beg and I can cry and I can moan. But because of the way God set up the earth, it is faith that moves him, not my tears. And so we get to our story. Here's David. This Bible describes him as a Rudy. Young man, Rudy Pooty is the word that I like to think of. Shorter, smaller than his brothers. He makes his way to the, the battlefield and they're like, what, what are you doing here? You just coming here to be nosy. You always getting your nose into something. And David's like, what's going on? Why, why is the Philistine army over there? And who's that big guy that's talking a whole lot? And why are we over here not doing anything? And then they're like, well, you know, everybody's afraid. Nobody wants to go or whatever. And, and, and David's like, well, don't worry about this. Send me. I'll go. And I, David, David, here you go again. You're always talking noise, always talking like you could do this and you could do that. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, and, and, and he is there. And, and word that David said, this is a kid. 
word that David said he would go fight this eight foot, nine foot monster gets to the king. And the king says, come on, kid, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine to possibly win. You're a boy. And he's been fighting since his youth. But David persisted. I see, if he wasn't bold, at the moment the king said, you can't beat him. He's been fighting for years. You're just a little boy. But if he wasn't bold, he'd be like, all right, I'm going to go back home with dad, hang out with the sheep. But he was bold because he knew his God. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm not playing. I'm not joking. I can take that little bitty dude out. And he tells the king, <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. It just, every time I think of a fight, I go back to, come on, Cletus. It just gets just stuck in my head. It's <laughs> stuck, stuck in my head, man. I'm, I'm working on it. He's renewing my mind day by day. And, and David's persistence was based on his history. He had history. See, sometimes we forget we got history with God. Because there were moments when we didn't know how that bill was going to be paid, when we were unemployed, when we didn't know how the house note was going to be paid, when we didn't know how the kids' school clothes were going to be bought. There were moments when we thought it would be over and this was the end, but he came through. So David is looking at what's in front of him through the lens of what's behind him. And he says, no. See, this is what God did. There was a lion and a bear. But he said lions and bears. I had never read that before. He said lions, plural, bears, plural. Which means it wasn't just one lion and one bear. It was plural. He'd done this before. And so as he's ready and he's going up, he said, nah, I remember the lions came at me and I got the club, killed them. I remember the bears came at me and I got the club and I killed them. This un circumcised pagan now understand the word uncircumcised and pagan that is covenant talk because they don't have he's like this he doesn't have a covenant with God he is not in agreement with God he is not one of God's children he is not on God's side I'm on God's side I'm in covenant with God so this uncovenanted uncircumcised because the circumcision on the eighth day was the sign that you're in covenant with God for the men he's like He's not in covenant with God. So God's not on his side. So since God's not on his side, I don't care if he's 10 feet taller than me. I am standing on the shoulders of the Almighty when I fight. So in the natural, I may look puny, but on the inside, I got power. And he said, let me fight him. Because just like God delivered me from the lion and the bear, he'll do it again. He delivered me before. He'll do it again. He didn't bring me this far to leave me. He didn't get me out of that to fail me in this. He, that 
could have taken me out years ago. I could have been gone years ago. He wouldn't, he wouldn't let me make it through that to let this thing stop me. And when you understand I'm in covenant with God, God is on my side. I'm a child of the Almighty. Now I can stand up with boldness and speak to my situation like David spoke to Goliath and said, you will not defy God's child. And so I just want to give you these couple of things. Because if you're going to walk in that confidence, you got to be confident in these three things. The first thing you got to be confident in is God's love. You got to be confident in the love of God for you. Because without knowing the love of God for you, you will mistake your circumstance and your moment as punishment, as punitive. When you're just in a fight, you got an enemy and you're in a fight. And it's not that God's abandoned you and it's not that God doesn't love you. And it's not that he has turned his back on you. We live in a sinful world around sinful people. And there are moments where we're going to have to fight because the enemy does not want to see you make it to the next level easily. He is going to fight you. So we got to understand God's love. I love this in the message. It says in 1 John 4, 18, God is love. When we take up permanent residence in, the, in the, a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house and becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. And our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear since fear is crippling. A fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is one not fully formed in love. And this is how I put it in my terms. Wherever I fear, I'm not trusting. Wherever I fear, I'm not trusting. Because fear, the Bible says in one version, it has torment. Fear comes to torment you. Can I say this? Fear is never from God. I need to repeat that for somebody because you've accepted some fears. Fear is never, ever from God. And so when you understand that line in your thinking, you can have the confidence. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for my sake. How would he not freely give me all things? Says, nay, in all these things, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me and died for me. And then he and love Paul. He says, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things in the past, present or future or anything in all creation is able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. So since I know that. I can be confident in his love because you can't be bold wondering where you stand with him. Number two, you got to be confident in God's word. You got to be confident in God's word. First John five fourteen. We live in 
the bold confidence that God hears our voices when we ask for things that fit in his plan. We have a bold confidence that when we pray the will of God, pray the word of God, he hears us and his answer has already already been released for us. Well, Pastor Tony, why hasn't it come yet? Because we don't get to decide the timing of our deliverance. Because we can't see the full picture. You know, we see life better in hindsight than we do in foresight. Have you ever noticed that after you've walked through something, you know, that's why. But while you're in it, you can't see why. And it's, it makes your mind question what's going on. But man, when you understand the word of God, the word of God is the will of God. God, what's your will for this? Look in the word of God. He'll tell you what his will is because that's where you find his will in the word. But I also want to give you this thought. The word of God is the covenant that we have. So when you want to understand the covenant, a covenant is an agreement between two parties. And in most cases, what happens in a covenant is in the uh, Old Testament, they would have a tribe that had a strength over here and then another tribe that had a strength over there. And they would come together to form a covenant so that they can make sure that their weaknesses were taken care of. Because this this tribe had strength where this one was weak and vice versa. So that's why they would come into covenant with one another. And that covenant was till death. It was like you couldn't just get out of the covenant. It was a covenant until death. Well, think about what God did. He made a covenant with us, yet we had nothing to offer him. And he had everything to offer us. And he said, everything that is in you, I'm going to take that and put it on my son so that the punishment that you deserve, that the cross will no longer be yours. And then in that, the exchange that I make with you is all of the resources in heaven you now have access to. Well, that doesn't seem fair. God, it seems like you got the short end of the And he's like, I didn't get the short end of the stick because you're worth everything. You're worth it all. You may think you had nothing to offer me. All I've ever wanted is you. But God, I'm struggling. God, I'm, I'm still not right yet. All I've ever wanted is you. And I had Jesus die on that cross, not so I can get a perfect you, but so I can get you because you're perfected in him, Jesus. So when you understand God's word and you begin to dig into it and find out who you are and what God thinks of you and what God says, man, there is a boldness that rises up in you. Something will shift in your facial expressions. People will be like, boy, you just... You used to be mean and, and, and scourly and, and, and all of that. And they're like, what, what happened to you? Man, let me tell you about Jesus. Because he came in one day and righted the whole ship. And now I'm smiling. My joy is full. Why? Because I know who I am. And I found out because he said it in his word. And then the last one. So you got to have confidence in God's love, confidence in God's word. But this is a big one. You got to have confidence in his character. Because there will be seasons where it will take longer than you want. 
where you'll wonder why there's so much pain. There'll be moments where you don't understand and life happened and you can't understand why you and why this and all of that. And that's when you're not seeing anything on the outside. You're not seeing anything take place as positive. But, But that's when we have to mature where we like, no, God's character says he's faithful. God's character says he keeps his word. God's character is love. And so when I trust in God's character, see, this is this is that leap from spiritual immaturity to maturity. When nothing makes sense and nothing's working out right and you've given your best efforts and nothing's changed yet. That's when you got to rest in the fact that, no, God can't lie. God can't lie. God can't lie. And when I can't trace you, I'll trust you. And Psalms 103, 8 and through 13 says it beautifully. Just let this soak into your spirit. The eternal God is compassionate and merciful. When we cross all the lines, he is patient with us. When we struggle against him. He lovingly stays with us, changing, convicting, prodding. He will not constantly criticize, nor will he hold a grudge forever. Thankfully, God does not punish us for our sins and depravity as we deserve. In his mercy, he tempers justice with peace. Measure how high heaven is above the earth. God's wide, loving, kind heart is greater for those who revere him. You see, God takes all our crimes, our seemingly inexhaustible sins, and removes them. As far as the east is from the west, he removes them from us. And this is the part that just really gets me. An earthly father expresses love for his children. It is no different with our Heavenly Father. The Eternal shows His love for those who revere Him. And to close, I just want to give you these synonyms for God's love. Relentless, faithful, unyielding, stubborn, immovable, never failing, dependable, reliable, enduring, Stable, changeless, abiding, dedicated, faithful, inflexible, single-minded, unflinching, unqualified, unswerving, unwavering, unyielding, tried and true, unbending, unfaltering, unmovable, unquestionable, wholehearted. That is God's character. That's God's love for you. And we have the ability to walk in the boldness that God is with us. And when the writer in Hebrew says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may find mercy and obtain grace in our time of need. He means that we have the right because of Jesus to come boldly. Boldly into God's presence. Talk to him about how we feel. Be honest with him about what we're going through. And be ready to receive the loving grace 
and care of a father who loves you more than you could ever imagine. And what person in the world, when they truly get a revelation of that, walks around not making eye contact, walks around thinking less than themselves, walks around not being bold to be able to say to somebody who doesn't know Jesus and who you think doesn't even care to learn, you need Jesus. You may not think you do, but if you knew what I knew, you'd be running to him. That's the boldness that we walk in. And that's the boldness that God has called us to. Didn't you enjoy that word? If you live in the St. Louis area or ever plan to visit, we'd love for you to join us at one of our services at 4324 Margareta at either our 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. services. Be blessed. We hope to worship with you soon. Thank you.